Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich Honest, episode 197. Hey, my riches. Today, we are going to hear three priceless tips about sales for entrepreneurs from three sales results. But before we focus on these fascinating stories, I want to invite you to take part in a free masterclass where you will learn seven free practical ways to get more customers. You should go to getcustomerswebinar.com, getcustomerswebinar.com and grab your spot for this training today. It will show you exactly what you should do to get more prospects and clients and this will lead you to get revenue and growth. The number one challenge entrepreneurs say they struggle with is getting more customers. Getting more customers is at the heart of any business, right? Many factors in your business will affect your ability to get new clients. However, the skill you would need most is the ability to sell. The process of sales starts with the first interaction with your prospect and ends with closing the deal and then delivering the product or service and supporting your client. Many entrepreneurs lack this skill. In today's episode, we will hear the best pieces of advice from three entrepreneurs who focuses on sales. Listen to their advice, find the best one to implement in your business and start gaining many more clients and revenue. Tony Hughes was currently ranked number one sales blogger globally by both Top Sales Magazine and Best Sales Blogger Awards. He was ranked as the most influential person in professional sales within Asia Pacific by Top Sales World, and he currently ranked number three sales expert and thought leader globally by LinkedIn. Tony is also a best-selling author and the most read person in LinkedIn on the topic of B2B sales leadership. He has more than 400,000 followers on his blogs. The American Management Association published his most recent book, Combo Prospecting. Tony has 30 years of corporate and sales leadership experience with underbroken personal and team sales records. Tony Hughes, what a great opportunity to talk with you. Hi. Hi, Hayut. It's really good to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. And I just shared with our audience what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? The thing I'm most passionate about today in business, at least, is helping organizations solve their revenue problem. Revenue for every business is like airspeed. If you don't have enough airspeed, uh, mm. all of the other controls just don't seem to work. 
And uh, everywhere I go around the world, every business is relentlessly pursuing growth. Every business is facing more and more competition. And the failure rates of uh, sellers, especially in the business-to-business -business market, is actually increasing. So my passion is about helping salespeople become successful and helping organizations sell with a real sense of purpose. Where are you heading? Where are you going to take that? Uh, well, I've already published two books that have been business bestsellers. Um, mm -hmm. I do a lot of keynote speaking around the world. I was twice recently recognized as the number one blogger globally on the topic of uh, sales. Yeah. And uh, I also have been recognized by LinkedIn as the third most influential person in the world on the topic of B2B selling. Wow. So I'm going to move in the next few years from selling to leadership. But uh, in my view, uh, leading is all about influence. And I guess that's one way of really, really d describing selling. I've heard marketing mm -hmm. described if, you know, in one word as creating perceptions. And I think selling is really about influence and uh, every leader needs to be able to influence. Hmm, for sure. Tony, you've been doing that for a long time, dealing with selling, isn't it? Yeah, I've been in professional selling for over three decades. I, uh, I started as an entrepreneur in my own business in the manufacturing sector, and uh, I then ended up, we actually sold our company. We had 85% market share for what we were uh, manufacturing. We sold that company, yeah. and uh, I ended up deciding to get into sales because I just felt I needed that skill. And um, I've ended up running companies at various times uh, and, and rose up through those companies through the sales ranks. And uh, I just think selling is an incredibly exciting profession that people can, can really chase and it equips them well to actually lead an organization. I love the fact that you're talking about selling as a tool to lead and not only as a tool to make revenue, which is, of course, goes without saying. Yeah, well, I certainly believe that, that making revenue is the byproduct of the real goal. The real goal for every entrepreneur and salesperson in the world should be to make a positive difference in the lives of their customers, both personally and professionally in their customers' business. And if you make a positive difference, if you're solving serious problems for people, then the money will certainly follow. So one of the things that every marketer, salesperson and entrepreneur needs to do is to really take themselves out of their own world and view what they do through the eyes of their customers. You just stole my <laughs> one sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, we have to fight over that. Wow. But it's such a great one, so it's yours. <laughs> You've been in sales for many years. I talk about marketing. I think marketing is all about looking at things from the point of view of the customers. But I love it so much when it comes from somebody that really focuses on selling and not only on marketing. Yeah, yes. You've been doing that for three decades. Do you see a major change? Absolutely. There's uh, huge changes and there's increasing headwinds for everybody in business and sales and marketing. Buyers today are, you know, obviously well-informed, but I think they, uh, well, actually, they think they're well-informed. I think the reality is they tend to get confused and paralyzed by the amount of information mm. that actually confronts them. But it's becoming increasingly difficult for sellers and marketers to cut through and actually get the attention of potential buyers. So it's never been more important uh, for any business to be very clear about what their ideal customer profile looks like. 
Uh, we need to adopt the view that not everyone in the world is a potential client. We need to know mm. what a great customer looks like. And then we need to think about the buyer personas within those customer organizations that form consensus for a decision to become our, our client. So we need to really un understand uh, what drives those people. And increasingly today, too, we need to provide value in conversations well in advance of uh, the customer deriving value by becoming a client. So we need to think about how can we provide insights? How can we educate? How can we insert ourselves earlier in the buyer's journey and then become the emotional favorite because we were the one that educated? And it's uh, increasingly important today for people to adopt a very strong content-driven strategy in how they both market and sell. Marketers have always known that this is important, but marketing historically made the mistake of making the content all about them and what they do instead mm, of sure. making it all, all about the customer. So aligning to buyer journey is, is really important. So content is king, but audience is queen. So, th so, the best, <laughs> so the best businesses out there have not, a, not only been thinking about how do we create educational, insightful content, but how do we also attract audience? And um, I know for myself in my own business, I'm a really just a one-man band consultancy. But, you know, uh, as we record this, I've managed to build uh, over 300,000 followers of my blog in, wow. in, inside LinkedIn, you know, plus my blogs on my website. But I did that by writing uh, about um, 500 original pieces of, uh, of, of content in the last sort of three three years or so. So writing good content is not easy, but if we truly understand our buyer and what drives them and uh, we know what outcomes they're seeking to achieve, you know, where they see their risks and the metrics by which they really measure their businesses, it, it, it'll, help, it'll help inform us. And the challenge I put out there for anybody in sales is that increasingly today, if you can't write, you're going to struggle to be able to sell because we're increasingly in a digital world. We need to get onto the phone with people, absolutely. But uh, often the precursor to having that phone call is, is what we do digitally because three quarters of buyers research us online before they choose to respond to some level of outreach that we've sent them. Sure. And I want to ask you, what is your best advice to any entrepreneur about the concept of attracting your customers or how should you approach your customers? Yeah, so, so my advice to, to anybody is to stop focusing on who we are and what we do and how we do it. If you look at most organizations' websites, that's basically you know, what it says. This is who we are. Sure. This is what we do. This is how it all works. The reality is, is we need to focus on, on the other person. We need to first lead with why we believe a conversation with us should matter to them. So we need to change the focus to be all about the opportunities or problems that the, the potential customer is facing. Um, and, and we need to attract them into conversations with us than, rather than trying to push. So, um, you know, make it all about them not about us. And the reason that's important is it's only the customer that's truly qualified to call something, you know, a solution. It's only the customer that's really qualified to define what the business case or the benefit would be in working with us. So we definitely need to have what I call a hypothesis of value. 
we need to not be arrogant and sort of proclaim what we think benefits are. We need to say, you know, hey, in working with other organizations similar to yours, that these are some of the common problems we saw them facing or opportunities that they that they could take advantage of. And mm. we've seen clients achieve these kind of results. Um, you know, does this sound like it's relevant to you? Would it make sense to have a conversation? So so we can do it with a level of humility, but we need to make it about them and their world, not about us and our product and what we do. I totally agree. What entrepreneurs are facing is that very often people or companies are not talking about their future plans and new technologies. And very often it's very difficult to find out what problems do they have with the things that they're struggling with and didn't come out yet. And the other thing is that the diversity of problems is getting bigger and bigger. How, how do they solve that? Yeah, so if, if I've understood the question correctly, maybe as an example, you know, we certainly know that people like Steve Jobs of Apple fame and Elon mm-hmm. Musk are, are people who went and created a vision for what the future could be for clients. So they, they really defined a new market and went and educated and carved out that market. Now, now the reality is, for most people who want to pioneer a brand new market, if you think back to you know, a couple of hundred years ago when, when pioneers would, would head off into the frontier with a horse and a wagon, the reality is most of the pioneers died. Um, you know, they faced incredibly hostile environments and they went through all of the pain and suffering of pioneering and, and very few made it. It's the settlers that come along later and really prosper. So, you know, we all know with, um, you know, the concept of crossing the chasm, I think with Jeffrey Moore's book was the author, but, sure. you know, what, what we want to do is, is cross the chasm and then really make money, you know, with those uh, early adopters and fast followers. So my view is that alignment is far more uh, effective than evangelism. So we can we hmm. can try and evangelize and convert people's thinking. My view is that's slow, it's expensive, it frustrates us, it annoys other people, and the yield rate is very low. Now, you know, I know that sounds negative. Tony, you are talking to my entrepreneurs. <laughs> They're all trying to change the world, or most of them. Are you saying that as pioneers, they're going to die? Because I think there are a lot of tools in marketing. As I said, people do exist. And it's not really a totally new land that nobody knows. Perhaps you're using a different technology. But you are solving problems of people that we can find out how they behave and what do they need. It's just more complicated to just go and ask or talk about their competitors. Well, let me let me really challenge that, though. So... So my view is you'd better have a very good tool with a compelling business case attached to it if you want to break through all the noise. So we all know that there's there are thousands, certainly well over a thousand different marketing tools. If you look at the chief marketing officer in an enterprise, there's well over a thousand organizations that would see him and his or her and her organization as a potential prospect. And they're all trying to break through. And the reality is, as excited as we get about our little widget that does this thing better than other people's, <laughs> the truth for them is they've got a limited budget, they've got limited hours in the day, and they can't entertain conversations with a thousand different entrepreneurs that all think that their thing is exciting. So they have to prioritize. And here's the scary thing. 
in big organizations, which is where we need to sell into to make our, our entrepreneurial endeavors successful, getting bigger and bigger clients, the thing that drives those bigger organizations at a commercial level is they're seeking more and more value from fewer and fewer suppliers. Because every one of those yeah. supplier relationships costs them money and time to manage, and it dilutes their spending power, and it adds a whole level of complexity into their business and how they integrate all of these different things together. So I know we get excited about our thing, but again, we've got to get into the world of our customer. Is this really compelling? So most entrepreneurs don't make it. Right. So there's a lot of reasons why. Definitely. If anybody listening to this who is an entrepreneur or a seller or marketer and they want to succeed, you've got to get into the world of your customer. You've got to validate that you solve a serious problem and that there is a compelling business case around that organization changing. If you aggregated all of the CRM data from around the world and all the different customer relationship management systems and did a snapshot of all of the qualified deals that were in the forecast in business-to-business -business selling, and then you went back a year later and did a win-loss review, the thing you would find is, depending on the industry, anywhere from 25% to a third of the lost deals are just lost to do nothing. And I would argue if you're on the bleeding edge of startup mm. technologies and solutions, the, the sort of yeah. do-nothing competitor is as high as 80%. So it's just so important that we understand what's the business case for change. That's right. What business results is the customer going to achieve if they start working with us? Just because we've got something that's sexier or a bit easier or a bit faster is not in of itself a compelling business case. Wow. I totally agree. I just uh, really think and we know that you can only approach the bigger customers after you already made your first yeah. um, steps in this business world. You can't start from them. I know you've got a lot of successes and we'll talk about them in a minute, but I would like to ask you to share with us what was your biggest, most critical failure with customers, the one that affected your entrepreneurial or business journey the most? Yeah, well, the thing for me is when I was 25, uh, we sold that manufacturing business in Australia and I took, I took the business to the USA and uh, I was convinced in my own mind that I'd be a, you know, a multimillionaire by the time I was 30. Um, I, remember, I remember when mm -hmm. I learned to fly as a pilot before my flying instructor oh. let me loose to go solo because I was ready to go solo in club record time, but I was young and... Uh, and he was nervous about me. And he asked me the question, hey, Tony, before you go solo, um, tell me, what's the definition of confidence? And I thought about it and said, well, uh, I guess confidence is when skill and experience comes together, you can be confident. And he just, he just shook his head laconically and said, uh, no, no. He said, confidence is the feeling you have just before you understand the situation. And then he, he went on to tell me how mm. most dead pilots uh, are dead because they were wrongly confident. And uh, that was my experience in going to America in business is, uh, you know, I felt confident, mm. but the truth is my confidence was misplaced. And I think every entrepreneur when they start out is excited and confident that, that they're not going to be one of the, the, the statistics, that they are going to be the, sure. you know, they're going to succeed. 
But, um, you know, what I realized is I hadn't done enough market research. I'd undervalued the importance of being able to sell. And uh, when I came back from America to Australia uh, a few years later, that was what prompted me to get into sales because I thought we're getting paid royalties for 12 years as part of selling the company here. I I had a non-compete during that period. And I thought, well, I need to go and learn how to sell anyway. Uh, It's a skill I didn't have. And I recognized that any entrepreneur needs it. The thing I say about selling is the skill that nobody wants and yet Everyone needs <laughs> everyone needs her to be able to sell because selling is really influencing. So, uh, so that was really that's what really got me into sales. So, so that was my my biggest failure, and I think I hadn't done enough research, and I undervalued the importance of selling. Wow, it's amazing because the way I looked at you, I thought you were born a sales person. No, as as scary as it sounds, I was the opposite. I was I was quite introverted. So selling for me has been something that's uh, really knocked, you know, the sort of edges off me. It's knocked out of me my own hangups. So I, I think hmm. every single entrepreneur, oh, actually, I think everyone in life should go and spend some time in sales because it'll get rid of their hangups. It'll force them to get good at telling relevant, true stories for people and setting a vision, helping someone build a business case understanding the importance of navigating politics, being able to communicate effectively, both verbally and in writing, you know, the importance of building your personal brand. Everybody should get into yeah. sales because it does all of those things and it'll, it'll equip you for no matter what you end up doing, whether it's leading a company, working in administration, in marketing, any sort of profession, we all need to be able to communicate and influence people. You know, I love that so much because Actually, you were struggling with this issue of selling, which I think most of the people are struggling with, and you became to be a very, very good seller. So I think a lot of our uh, listeners which don't want to deal with this issue of selling, mm-hmm. most of them afraid of selling or sometimes even worse, they're too confident to sell. They know what people need, and they are going by this confident with knowing everything about everyone. And I love your story because that's what you faced while going to America, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, there are so many factors that affect our successes. However, I do believe that uh, anyone has one or two unique factors that really help them. And I want to ask you, what is your key success factor? What made it for you? The first thing is we must be a true believer in what we're doing. If you don't truly believe that you make a positive difference for customers, if you don't truly believe in the integrity of your own company and in the value you provide, you shouldn't be there. So the first thing is we need a high level of belief in what we're doing. The second thing is we need to be very good at creating value for people, value in conversations and value that could be expressed in a business case for someone changing the way that they're doing things. And then the third thing is we have to be good at building trust. No business is done unless there's trust and the pace at which business gets done depends on the level of trust. 
So, so be a true believer, create value, real genuine value for people and make sure that you can build trust. And if those three things are there, belief, value and trust, um, then you find alignment with people and business becomes much easier and then you create the momentum that you need. <laughs> Thanks. Wow. You've chosen three, but okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> Lance Tyson. A born entrepreneur and self-starter, Lance Tyson is an authority in the sales world with a passion for developing strong business leaders. Lance has worked with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment, including the New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys. After leaving school to start his first business, Lance began working for Dale Carnegie. He rose through the ranks, eventually building the most successful Dale Carnegie operation in North America. After a 15-year run, Lance sold his interest in Dale Carnegie in order to form a new company, Tyson Group. The focus of Tyson Group is to diagnose your sales team and propose solutions that deliver results that make sense for your organizations and needs. Lance says, we aren't just a company that provides training. We are a partner that provides solutions. Lance Tyson, what a pleasure to finally have you here with me. Hi. Hi, I appreciate being on. We, this has been a long journey with you and I getting on together and connecting. I'm excited. I am excited as well. And we are together finally. So everything is good. You are an entrepreneur, and I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that's listening to us regarding the customer approach, their sales, their marketing, anything that has to do really with focus on your customers and making the sales? So I would say, and I get, I, I get a similar question to that a lot, everybody that's listening has to realize that the sales process, how you sell, is the buying process inverted. Hmm. And so here's what I mean by this. And I'll just give you a quick example. So sitting in front of me, I have an iPad Pro. Yeah. And a, oh. a good friend of mine called me up. He's actually on our board. He uh, works for the Dallas Cowboys. And he, his name's Chad. And for years, him and I would go back and forth. Now, you and I both know that iPads are pretty well marketed. Hmm. But um, he called me up one day. He goes, Lance, if you want to change your life, He goes, you got to get this product. I go, what, what now? He's always coming up to me with some new technology. <laughs> and I go, I go, what, what? And he goes, an iPad, you got to get an iPad Pro. And I go, no way. I've already had an iPad. I hated it. He goes, no, no. <laughs> he goes, picture this. You're sitting in first class on a flight. You open up your laptop. You start cranking out a, an email. And all of a sudden, they deliver your food and drink. And you have to put it away. He said, this iPad Pro, all you need to do is move it to the side. It's convenient. folds. It'll change your life. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I got off the phone with him. And about a month later, I decided to go into a Best Buy. So I walk in and I go up to the kiosk and I, I start holding this iPad Pro. And this person who worked there who sold the Apple products said, he goes, are you a, an Apple person? I go, I am. And he goes, laptop too? I go, absolutely. He goes, um, have you ever had an iPad before? And I'm holding the iPad in my hand. And I go, I did. And he goes, you hated it. I go, I hated my old iPad. He goes, people that had the old iPad hated it. <laughs> he goes, um, 
let let me ask you this. He goes, you're, do you email more off your phone or your Mac? And I said, more off my iPhone. He goes, you would love the new iPad. It's very much like a larger version of your phone. He goes, do you store your photos on the phone or do you store them on, on the iPad or on the, on the Mac and, or the cloud? I said, well, the cloud. He said, then you wouldn't want the expensive one, get the cheaper one. He goes, your old iPad, did you have that little <laughs> keyboard? And I go, I did. He goes, you hated it, didn't you? I go, I hated it. He goes, let me guess. It was Bluetooth and it, it lagged when you type things in. I go, I did. It was horrible. He says, you'll love this new keyboard because it, it's a lot like one of like the new computers where it's magnetized on, it's actually part of the iPad. You'd love it. And then he goes, do you journal? And I go, what kind of question is that? Do you journal? I go, <laughs> I go, yeah, I do. He goes, well, the Apple iPad comes with this little pencil that you can annotate and write things down. You would love it. Well, <laughs> let me tell you something. That iPad was $733. <laughs> the keyboard was 150 and the pen was 100 a thousand dollar product requires a thousand dollar presentation. I wasn't marketed that iPad as much as I was sold that iPad. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so how would you say it is an advice for entrepreneurs? So I would say for entrepreneurs, you need to really sit down and think who would want my product and why would they want it? Two, what I would coach you on is just remember you personally as an entrepreneur, when you sell your product or service, one of the reasons you end up selling it so well is because of your passion behind it. If you take the word enthusiasm, the Latin root word is enthus. It means gift of the gods or God from within, hmm. right? The last four letters of enthusiasm are I am sold myself because hmm. it's I-A-S-M, I'm sold myself. So as an entrepreneur, of a startup, regardless of what kind of company in, your passion for what you do is what will, that will sell the day. You have to start figuring out what the logical reasons are people would want it too that's beyond your enthusiasm. Because remember, when people buy things, they, they buy emotionally, but they justify logically. Mm -hmm. So as you kind of think out your sales process, you need to think about what are the logical reasons why somebody would want it, which are going to bring up why the reasons they wouldn't want it. So as you start to develop a sales process for what you do, you have a blend of both, and then you won't be so clouded as you add business development people into your business. So I think it's really important. So anytime we go in and assess a situation, we try to separate the entrepreneur's enthusiasm and isolate it. And it's important. Don't get me wrong. It's very important that the entrepreneur, I'm, you can tell I'm passionate about our business mm, sure. and I should be. I take all the risk, right? <laughs> so I want you to be that way, but I also want you to think of it in a logical fashion so we can really look at your product or service and figure out how you're going to sell it. Because you know, think about a lot of these tech firms that came out of Silicon Valley. There are so many stories about how these folks didn't even have a fully designed process or app or whatever software, but really went out and sold it and sold the vision of it, right? So so that's the big thing. So they're just not going to fly off the shelves. You got to figure out how you're going to sell it, hmm. right? Sell to whoever's going to hold it, drive it, you know, all that good stuff. I love it so much. And I love so much that you said that, that people are buying for emotional reasons, but they need the logical reasons to help them make the decision. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and I do agree that entrepreneurs must think of both. You've got a lot of successes, and we will talk about it in a minute. But I would like to ask you, what is your biggest, most critical failure 
with customers, the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most. Can you share this story with us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's several. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could say there was only one failure. There's a company in, in the United States. It's called, um, it's a Swedish name. It's called Asplund. Okay. Spelled okay. A-S-P-L-U-N-D-H. And what they do, and it's an international company, and they're based out of Pennsylvania, out of uh, an area called Horsham, Pennsylvania. What they do is they cut trees uh, around high wires. So they work with utility companies. And oh. I was a young, young up-and-comer, mm. and I had a chance to sell very large consulting and training to this company. And at that point, it would have been the biggest thing I had ever sold. It would have put my my fortune on the map. It would have been wonderful. Mm. So I met with this guy. His name was Billy. And I had a great conversation with him. We had coffee. And we were able to move the deal to another step, meaning he was bringing his boss in Billy was very particular that everything was buttoned up, everything felt smooth. He was a pro, and little things were important to Billy. Well, when I came in to meet with his counterpart or his boss and um, the person he reported to and him, I had prepared a proposal, and I decided to change his name from Billy to William on the proposal. Why is that? Where now, well, clearly on his card, it said Billy. It didn't say William. I decided to make it what I thought was formal and proper. Okay. And, it, and here's, here's what happened to me. When I went into the next meeting, Billy was quick to point out that his name was not William, that his family name was Billy, and he was named after an important relative. He made a very big deal about it. Hmm. I didn't win the business. And I don't know if I didn't win the business because of that, but I, but I would say this. The little things are everything. And by me not getting to know him and really know how important a name is, that's everything in business. Because we sell to people. We do business with people. And, and little things are everything. Just like how you spent time with me um, early to make sure I could pronounce your name. And you asked me how to pronounce my name, hmm. right? A personal signature. And a name is that person, the single most important sound in any language. And you know what? When we miss those things, we miss everything. Wow, I love that story. <clears throat> I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really makes it for them. And I want to ask you, what is your key success factor? Your one key success factor? It's a... Um... It's a quote that I dictate. Successful people form the habits of doing things successful people don't like to do. <laughs> it comes from a talk by a gentleman named Albert E. Period and Period Gray. He gave a speech in the 1940s that was called the common denominator of success. And he, he was quoted as saying that. For, so for me, it's that. Am I willing to do what it takes to be successful? But that's, that's my key motivator. That's my key driver. Mm, wow. My next guest is an entrepreneur, but more than that, he is a very successful business person. And the combination of these two is what any one of us entrepreneurs 
should look for. Bill Cates is an internationally recognized client acquisition expert, author, and speaker who motivates others to take action with proven strategies. A successful entrepreneur, Bill started and sold two book publishing companies, turning his attention to help other businesses grow. Bill has written four best-selling books, Get More Referrals Now, Don't Keep Me a Secret, Beyond Referrals, and Radical Relevance. Bill is also somewhat of an adventurer. He has trekked through the Himalayas of Nepal and the Andes of Peru. He has lived on a houseboat in Kashmir, India, climbed Machu Picchu, reached the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro, camped in Arctic Circle, and toured the country as drummer in a rock and roll band. Bill Cates, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hi, it's great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you, and I'm so happy you are here, and there are so many things I want to ask you. You have been an entrepreneur almost all your life. You talked a bit about the airline company, but you were an entrepreneur for many, many years. It's true. And I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that listens to us all regarding their customer approach or customer focus, marketing or sales? Yes. So... Um... You know, in my book, Radical Relevance, I have uh, the second rule of radical relevance is to give your customers or clients a seat at the table. And so what I mean by that is mm-hmm. to not ever develop a product or service or to not develop any marketing message or sales message without first talking to your customers or clients. Um, <laughs> we, we think we have empathy for their situation. We, we think we know what's in their heads and hearts. And to some degree, we do. Uh, if we've gotten to know some of our customers and clients, but there's just nothing like talking to them. And what happens is we start to learn things and, and, and actually get phrases, words and phrases and expressions <laughs> that we can use that we wouldn't think sure. of. So, for example, I was doing this with one of my clients, Michael Schmitz, and, and he's in California. And, and so I said to Michael, tell me what you, know, you value around the work I do and how do you describe what I do to other people? Um, this is a great question, by the way, is to just ask your customers, clients, you know, if and when you describe us to other people, what do you say? Um, <laughs> and you'll learn a lot from that. He said, well, Bill, you know, you you make asking for referrals as natural as breathing. And they go, oh, wow, that, <laughs> that was, that's really good. I, I never would have thought of saying Yeah, it's beautiful. Right? <laughs> and so we learn these things from our clients and we want to make sure our messaging, our marketing message, our sales message are using the words that our clients are using, you know, that, that are already in their head so that it'll resonate with them right away. Uh, that makes our message as clear as possible. And sometimes we get caught in using our own industry talk, our industry jargon. Sometimes I call it marketing speak, you know, just the ways of describing our product or service that really isn't exactly how our prospects or customers think about what we do. Right. Right, and I love you saying that because it's the first time that somebody talked about what I call product or service definition, mm. the, using the words of the customer, and I love it so much that you say that and the way you say that and the example you brought. You have got very meaningful successes, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But I would like you first 
to share with us your biggest, most critical failure with customers, mm. the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most? I'll give you two real quick. Oh, that's good. Well, <laughs> they're quick. The first one was uh, that I can think of really was um, my partnership, the business publishing company that I shared with another gentleman. You know, here's what I learned about partnerships is that, and it wasn't a huge failure, but I learned a lot from it. And I, luckily I got out of my debt. But, you know, when, when, when you're getting married, let's say, you know, you're, you're courting, uh, you know, your partner and most people, you know, they date for maybe six months, a year, sometimes multiple years, right? Sometimes they live together first. There's this, this long courtship of getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. But a lot of businesses get started, you know, you have a lunch, you have a dinner, you draw up a plan on a napkin, you, you know, have a couple more conversations. And the next thing you know, you have a business partner <laughs> and, you know, you haven't really truly gotten to know that person. You don't see how they handle success. You don't see how they handle, you know, uh, challenges. Um, and, and that's what happened with this partnership is that, you know, we just, we really viewed life and business and success and challenges differently than each other. Hmm. And so it be became harder and harder for us to communicate and get things accomplished. So it became uh, apparent now, you know, had we got to know each other longer, maybe that would have shown through and we wouldn't have made that mistake. I don't know. I mean, I still learned a lot uh, from the situation. So that was one. The other is um, I didn't follow my own advice, you know, <laughs> We never always follow our own never advice, do we? And, <laughs> and I developed a product for the banking industry that I, I just did not research well enough. And I mm. didn't talk to the banks well enough. I had done a little bit of work with banks, so I figured I knew what they needed. And uh, it just didn't go anywhere. And so, uh, it, and this was a product that was all based on CDs and DVDs. Mm -hmm. So, um, Probably two summers ago, I threw out about 60,000 CDs and wow. DVDs of this product that I just knew would never, mm -hmm. uh, never make it in the marketplace. Um, and figure at that time, each CD and DVD probably, and plus the packaging cost me at least a dollar a piece. So it was, wow. a, it was a bit of a, 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 you know, a mistake. And that was because I just did give my customers, my clients a seat at the table to, to talk through this well enough. Hmm. I love that examples. And now I would like you to tell us about uh, the story of your greatest, <laughs> most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about your customers or marketing or sales, but this is all your life. So mm. anything, any success is great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. The first one that comes to mind. And two would be good as well, <laughs> well if thanks. you want to. Thank you. Um, yeah, okay, I'll give you two, uh, both involving books. The, the first one was um, when, I was, when I had my book publishing business, boy, I, I did not consider myself a salesperson. I didn't like the sell. Uh, I found myself going up to stores, making cold calls in person, trying to get managers, owners to look at the books and buy the books. And boy, that was a very fearful experience for me. Um, mm. But I pushed myself through. I had to. I mean, I it was either that or fail at the business. And uh, I did sell one of my books, a book called Hooked on Seafood, uh, to a store, uh, overcame my courage, got into the store. I'm making this the short version of the story. And uh, actually, several months later, someone had gone into the store 
and he was a president of, of the world's largest uh, tuna manufacturing company. And uh, yeah. to make the long story short, Bumblebee Tuna ordered 400,000 copies of that book. <gasps> wow. Yeah, so that, wow. The, the joke I make is that, you know, I was a sales rep and, and I made a big commission and I was a company owner and I got all the rest too. So, um, <laughs> you know, that was, that was a big success. And, and, and I think one reason it was a success because I knew I, yeah. I, I moved through a lot of fear to get to that point. And, uh, obviously that makes the success sweeter. Um, and then the other really was, is just this business I'm in now of, uh, you know, I, I remember, and it was based in fear of, you know, a friend of mine said, you could do this. You know, I said, I don't know. And I was talking to another friend and he said, Bill, you would be very good at this. You will be great at this. I, I can just tell that this will be a great business for you. And so, you know, that that other person's faith in me, I just I just adopted his faith in me. I'm, I wasn't so sure. I wasn't super confident when I got, into, I got into this business. I didn't know if I had the wisdom, the knowledge, the, you know, the ideas to share with other people to help them. But someone mm-hmm. else saw that in me. In fact, two people did. And so I allowed them, I allowed their estimation of, of my ability to, to run me for a little while. You know, sometimes we don't want to listen to other people because sometimes, uh, you know, they will, they will step on our dreams. They will uh, you know, underestimate our capabilities. Um, but in this case, I listened to two people that really, uh, had a lot of faith in my ability to do this. And to me, that, that was a big success too, you know, facing the fear and then starting a company, a company that I have now that's done extremely well over the last 25 years. Wow. (laughs) It's a great story. It's great. Two stories and they're different. So it's so great. Mm. I love it. You know, there are many things that affect one's success. However, I really believe that for each of us, there is one main thing that really helps Mm. us succeed, really Mm. makes it for us. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? I think I'm just driven to be successful. uh, And I love what I'm doing. I think that's pretty important. And I know that maybe that sounds a little trite, you know, to do what you love to do. But and to try to spend most of my time, you know, look, when you own a business, you're not going to love everything. And certainly you want to find other people to help you. And so what I try to do is spend mm-hmm. the, and the most amount of my time I, I can on my strengths, what I do the best, which for me is writing and just working with my customers to help them solve their problems. That's, that's what I do the best is, mm-hmm. is learning mm-hmm. things and sharing those things with other people. So I have some employees that do things that, that I'm not so good at. Um, and I'm always looking to figure out what I, you know, what do I do the best? I learned a long time ago, you know, a lot of times people say, well, what are your weaknesses? Make your weaknesses stronger. And my attitude is a little bit different. Mine is I want to make my strengths stronger mm-hmm. and I'll find other people to do the, the weaknesses. So be one of a kind with what you're really good at. Yeah. Yes. You know, one of my mentors, Dan Sullivan calls it, you know, unique ability mm-hmm. and it may not be totally unique to you, but it's, it's something that you do better than anything else that you do. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, you're going to love that, right? Usually we, we are really good at things we love and we love things that we're really good at. Right. Not always, but most of the time. And so that's what I try to focus on. You started and you said, I'm driven to be successful. Mm-hmm. And now you talked about focusing on your uh, better abilities and capabilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you mean by driven to be successful? Aren't all entrepreneurs driven to be successful? 
Well, yes, I, I suppose so. I, I think some people are afraid of success. Okay. Uh, that would probably be a whole another show with a psychologist involved. Mm -hmm. But um, we do have limiting beliefs and, and limiting assumptions that keep us from being successful. I think some people really do fear being successful. So, I, you know, not all entrepreneurs are driven to be successful, but most are. But, you know, the meaning of success is different for everybody. Right. Some people, some entrepreneurs are, are, are driven to make a lot of money because mm. uh, they just and then, then and that to prove themselves to others. I have a friend of mine who had a very troubled childhood and no question in my mind, he's he's trying to be successful and buy his big house and drive his fancy mm -hmm. car just to prove to the world that he could do it. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to judge him if that's what, what he needs to do, then, then he needs to do it. And, you know, f for most entrepreneurs, I think most people own their own business and sometimes mistakenly mm. because they want a certain sense of freedom. They, they want to be able to have control and freedom they, to them making a lot of money is usually that, that freedom to be able to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Um, and of course, the challenge is sometimes our businesses seem to own us mm -hmm. rather than us owning the businesses. And so we're not always able to, to, to live that dream. But having that, that control and over our schedule and over our lives, I think, is what drives a lot of entrepreneurs. For me, success is really abundance in different areas of my life, right? I want to have abundance in my relationships. I want to have abundance of money. I want to have abundance of, of, uh, of love. I want to have, want to have a, you know, an abundance in my spiritual life. It's just, to me, that's what success is, is kind of that balance. And mm -hmm. we may never, may never find the perfect balance, but if we strive to get a balance in all those areas, to me, that's, that's success. Um, and I don't, you know, and, and money's okay. Money's a tool. There's nothing wrong with wanting to sure. make a lot of money, right? As long as it, it doesn't own you, mm -hmm. as long as you own it. I love that. I love that. And I agree with you. And uh, it's a beautiful answer. I hope you loved the lessons of these three sales wizards. Getting more customers is at the heart of any successful business. I'd like to end this episode with what Elizabeth Shirley, the successful co-founder and president of Influencers, told me when I asked her about her key success factor. Personally, she said, the key to my own success was learning to sell. I kind of got forced into doing sales in the startup I worked for. And it forced me to get into a zone where I was really uncomfortable. But I tried. And I think if you can do that, you can sell everything. And as an entrepreneur, you're constantly selling yourself, whether it's talking to investors or to a new partner, even getting an employee you need to be able to communicate clearly the benefits of your company. I think that if you have confidence for doing sales, you can definitely win. And with this quote, I want to end this episode. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. 
see you next week.